Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. We're going to sing our way out of church. Hallelujah. Welcome uh, to you all. Um, See a few faces I don't know. Thank you for coming. You're very welcome here today. Um, If you're watching on live stream, wherever you are today, very warm welcome to you too. Um, It's just great that everyone would be with us. Uh, It's uh, the first church service down in Air 2, and we prayed that they would just have an awesome and a blessed service today. Amen. So praise God, and here we go. We come back on Communion Sunday as well. So we're going, to, um, we're going to take communion. But first of all, I just want to, you know, really acknowledge um, what we've all been through, very difficult times over these last months. And um, we've prayed every day that people would remain faithful. And uh, we, we know that um, sometimes we wane off a little bit, but there's, a, but there's been a, a faithfulness. Um, even in, for the people that I know, some have struggled, but there's been this, at the core, there's always been this longing to be back in church with one another. That was what people were really looking forward to today. And so we're going to go from strength to strength from this moment on. Amen. We're going to go from strength to strength, amen? So um, this morning, communion's a little different because you'll see you have little paper (laughs) uh, cupcake things there. Well, that's your communion element. I want to assure you that they haven't been touched by human hands. (laughs) And the the, the, uh, communion juice and everything, it's all all been uh, completely safely dispensed. Thank you. you can see what Gordon's doing. So don't reach over. Just take the one that's closest to you. That would be great for communion. Oh, that's my, my thank you. Yes, thank you, Gordon. Thank you, Jesus. And while they're handing out, if you've got your Bibles with you, can you turn to John chapter 6 with me? In John chapter 6, verse 34 to 35, it says there, Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Do you believe that? Amen. And I want to read from verse 53 as well. 
It says, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I abide in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna, we remember that story where God sent manna from heaven and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Amen? I, 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 I'm keen on uh, following different sports, and I heard something this week. Some guys were talking about the Tour de France, and they were talking about dehydration, and I'd never really known this before, but you know, if you only ever drink when you're thirsty, you'll live in a chronic state of dehydration if you only ever drink when you're thirsty. It'll lead to all sorts of health problems, and eventually it will cut your life short. Amen? We have to drink constantly to remain hydrated and to be healthy. And it's like that with Jesus. It's like that. We have to, we, we sometimes, how often have we gone to, to drink or we've been thirsty for something and then we go instead of doing it frequently all the time. And then I'd like you to turn to 1 Corinthians now, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So it's a spiritual truth, this, about, you know, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, after Jesus. It's, this, it's the same in our natural bodies. If we only do it when we have to, it's not going to lead to good health. But we need to do it. It has to be our, he has to be our daily bread. And he has to be, we have to go to his well and drink every day. Amen? Amen? So, and when we, when we take communion... We don't often go to this passage, but we're going today, 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, uh, 11, verse 27. And it says there, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, look, look at this. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For if we would only judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Amen? But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Um, I, I'm going to just give a few seconds this morning for us to bow our heads before we take communion um, and just to get focused and remember why we're doing this and to have a time, if you like, of releasing your hearts, to examine yourself just for a moment. So let's just bow our heads and do that.
into your body and your blood In verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's day, death until he comes. Amen. Well, praise God. Amen. Let's just pray before we, we, we get around the word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. We are thankful for your presence here in this place today, Father God. We thank you, Father God, um, for churches all over this land that are getting together today to share the, the, the gospel and to spread the good news. We're thankful for them, Lord. We're thankful, Father God, that you're strengthening, strengthening us as a body even right now, Father God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, that um, as we look around us and we see our country being transformed and, and in such a radical way by so much that's going on right now, Father God, for some of us, it's hardly recognizable as the country that we began to grow up in. Father God, we pray this morning for a spiritual awakening in Scotland. And in, and in the British Isles, Father God, we pray, Father God, for a spiritual awakening, Father God. Father God, we see things around us being um, redefined and um, people pushing a different uh, understanding and opinions of things, Father God. But Lord, today we seek uh, your truth and the purity of your word, Father God. And Lord, that is what our hearts uh, will be set on, Father God, is seeking you in spirit and in truth and looking for your truth, Father God. So Father God, we thank you, Lord, this morning for that, Father God. We thank you, Lord, Father God, that where there's been uh, flames going out, Father God, where lights are being switched off, Father God, that they'll be relit in the name of Jesus that flames will be fanned into life again, Father, in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father God, today that we would put the, the, our busy schedules to one side and our own preferences and the things that we like to do and remember that at this time we need to get on our knees and pray and we need to intercede for, for, for Scotland and for our country, Father God. And so, Lord, we pray, Father God, for strength in these days. Revive us if we've become if we've become uh, a wee bit lackluster in our hearts, Father, we ask for, your, for, for that refreshing this morning, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
We thank you, Father God, that those things, Father, as we say so often, Lord, that this, this country was built on the principles and the foundations of your word. And Father, it kind of looks right, right now like the doors have been burnt down and the walls are in ruins. But Father God, today, we pray, Father God, that we will be together and jointly rebuild the walls and restore the gates and the gates will prevail again, Father God, in the name of Jesus. So we pray, Father God, just for a, a, a spiritual renewal and awakening in our land, Father God. And people are hungry right now, Lord, and we know that. Father, let us be the church that is the church of open arms and open doors, um, open minds, open, Father God, to engage with the lost. And so just give us that wisdom to live in these days with integrity and with purity and to uphold the things that are sacred to you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, sometimes those things sound, can sound daunting to do. In the everything, sometimes we think, you know, everything that the Lord's asked me to do flies in the face of the popular um, opinion and lifestyle and everything else that goes out there. But uh, hey, that's that's Christianity. That's our lives as Christians. That's what we're called to do. It's not just um, uh, live, and live life under the benefits of, of being in God's family, but to do his work as well. Amen. So praise God. Um, this morning, I've, uh, uh, I've got a little kind of a, a story to tell before I go into, a, a, this is a very short message this may well be anyone in here's story, but it just happens to be mine because I wish more of you would tell me your stories so that we could share them too. But I've got a little one here. I want to I wanna, um, relate this to you. The title of my message this morning, before I forget, is Walk Out of the Shallows. And this has been on my heart the, for weeks and weeks. In fact, probably even since the, just after lockdown, I felt that God was saying, um, and I'm talking about myself. He was saying, evaluate your life, David. Look at these shallow areas of your life that you're, you're living. And I really felt like a, uh, a real nudge from God to start to consider my life and to consider that although I want to go deeper, I want to commit more, that there are shallow areas in my life that I need to address. And it hasn't helped during this time of, of lockdown where the encouragement of the saints has made a big difference. In all of our lives, we encourage one another we, we stir one, an, one another up to, to, to serve together and to, to be the church together. So I appreciate that there's lots of people that might have been on a ride, discouragement, um, you know, just uh, hope's been fading, the outlook's not been too good. Um, and you know what? I believe God is building us up as a resilient church. They're, 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 the word says that more plagues will come. More plagues will come. More troubles will come. But he says, call to me in the day of your trouble and I'll answer you. And so um, I think I sense more people and especially people who don't know the Lord have been calling out to, to Jesus during this time. 
because they need answers. Amen. So this, this message this morning is not a message to make any... I want you all to go out of here walking on cloud nine this morning, being encouraged and inspired. Amen, Alison. Yeah. So, but we, but you know, God searches the deep places of our lives. He searches the, the innermost places. It's usually the places we don't want him to go. He's going there. And, uh, you know, um, circumstances become a part of that. But we have to understand that we can rise above the circumstances. Amen. As a boy, growing, growing up in a place that was over 600 kilometers away from the nearest ocean, and one of life's biggest thrills for me was to know that plans were being made to go and holiday by the sea. You know, and as time passed, the anticipation would grow and grow until myself, my brother, and myself, we could hardly control ourselves. We could hardly contain ourselves. And, uh, but we knew eventually the day would come when we'd pack up the caravan and we would head down and begin the long drive down to the coast. You know, there are certain experiences that you have in God's beautiful creation that are imprinted in your memory forever. Has anyone ever had that? I'm sure we've all grown up having these things etched in our memory. And so, um, for me, this was one of those times that I've never forgot. And so here we go, we get down to the, the coast and... Um, uh, the day of arrival, the, the car tires crunch over the gravel in the, in the dirt car park and the doors burst open and it's just like mad people getting out of this, bursting out of this car and uh, that would be us let loose on the beautiful beaches of Natal in South Africa and so here we were, we were, we were there. No precautions were taken, zinc cream and suntan lotion were refused, you know, um, my skinny white legs and my, my skinny white body would run as, it could hardly carry me quickly enough down to the, the beach. And um, this strange uh, behavior exhibited by lots of us was actually a well-known phenomenon because usually during the school holidays in December in South Africa, everyone from the highland regions would go down to the coast, okay? We called it the high felt. We'd go down to the coast. And all the, the silky, well-tanned locals would grunt in disgust when all these chalk-white, scrawny kids would come invading their beaches and running down to the water's edge, you know? And so this became my ritual when I arrived at the beach. I would run like a madman uh, down towards the water on the sand. And what I would do is I was, as I was running on the sand, I would dart from side to side to feel the, gold, the, the warm golden sand going through my toes. And it would be like this slalom race down to the water. And it was an, a totally exhilarating experience. Being all that way from th that part of God's creation that we, we hardly ever got to see. When you got there, you just couldn't contain yourself. It was like those young cows you see after a winter in the sheds and they let them out into the fields. That's what it was like. But there was one thing that could surpass that feeling of running on that soft beach sand. And um, that was 
a walk into the Indian Ocean. The Indian Ocean is a beautiful ocean. It's warm water, lovely swells, beautiful waves. And it was just an amazing feeling to be in the ocean again. But it is, after all, an ocean and not a pond. Okay? And the power of the tides and the currents was really quite something. And I'd learned my lessons on previous occasions that you don't trifle with Mother Nature. But as the holiday went on, one's confidence grows. You know, one's confidence grows a little bit more and you'd be living your life on the verge of exhilaration and fear when you went out into the ocean. You know, and it's kind of like, and I've heard people say this, you know, if it's, you know, if it's not a wee bit scary, is it even, are you even having fun yet? You know? Um, and it's amazing to me that as we move into adulthood, we seem to become a lot more risk averse. <laughs> we, we, really, we really value our security a lot more. You see, when you're in the ocean, you're really subconsciously aware of the depth that you're at. And now for most people, that's about waist deep, okay? Your feet are f firmly on the seabed. And if you turned and you wanted to head for shore in a hurry, you do that kind of under the water treadmill thing, you know? And you, you like, your legs are going under the water. It's a bit like a duck. You know, it all looks very graceful on top of the water, but underneath your legs are going 100 mile an hour and you're trying to get traction and get back up out of the water. So um, you could definitely understand how after a few bad experiences with a strong tide or uh, you've been dumped by a few rogue waves or whatever, people would, would just stay at their comfort level, at the depth where they felt safe, you know, and they would, or they would retreat into shallower water and it's just not worth it, you know, it's not worth it going, going down there. And um, whenever we, we used to do it, we used to call it the washing machine. We'd, we'd, actually, the more, it's actually more dangerous playing in the ocean when you're at a shallower level than when you're out deeper. So, because the waves could catch you and if you weren't expecting them, you'd be in what we'd call the, the washing machine. Yeah. And you think, you know, well, why is that? It's because shallow equals safe, right? Shallow equals safe. Shallow equals security, control. I can make a quick getaway if I need to. Yeah, my feet are on terra firma. That's what we were designed for anyway. We were designed to be on land, not in the, <laughs> not in the sea. But this is one sensation that I never forgot, and it was the day that I decided to venture out a wee bit further and to go a little bit deeper and to begin to sense the vastness and the power of the ocean. And, and I hope everyone, maybe not everyone here has, I know some people are phobic of the water, but I, I don't know if everyone here has ever experienced swimming in the deep ocean before. If you haven't done it, Contact me, we'll arrange something so we can go and do it. I mean that. I really mean that. And 
what you do is you begin to gently push off with your feet and you bob. And your feet come back down and your head's, you're about here and you're, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. And you push off again and you bob some more until each time you're going a little bit deeper and then you get that last bob where your head comes up and goes down under the water and your feet can't touch the seabed. That is a moment. When you, that for your first time, that's a moment. When your senses and your brain are like, whoa, do, do you actually know you're not in control anymore? You have no control whatsoever. You're in the Indian Ocean, all right? You're in the Indian Ocean. And even if you're a reasonably strong swimmer, you're at the mercy of one of the strongest oceans in the world, the largest bodies of water in the world, and everything that's in it, by the way, with teeth and spikes and spines and everything else, you're, you're in there. And it's really a very humbling moment. And even as, a, uh, as an overconfident kid, I really felt awed by the greatness of the ocean. I've always had that attraction. Is anyone here uh, if, uh, love going to the ocean? I think, I think Kelsey might be here this morning as well. There's some people that are just drawn to the ocean. And so gradually over time, I began to spend less time in the shallows and I would look, I would seek out the, the back line, as we call it, the breakers, where the swell began to develop and you could see the waves coming through. So I'd look out um, for these swells and what I'd try and do is body surf them back into the beach. And eventually you, you, you learned how to, you almost thought you'd harnessed the power of the ocean. You know, you felt really confident. So the more time you spent in deeper waters, you became able to read the ocean. You, when you're in the ocean, you, you're somehow able to sense what it's doing, okay? Where there's no struggle or anything like that. But there was always that one moment to overcome where you thought to yourself, am I going to just go with the flow here? and float and just paddle, you know, uh, wade in the water and get out there and allow myself just to be vulnerable and to enjoy it out in that depth? Or am I going to stay, am I going to try and stay in control? Am I going to give myself up to another power and one I know for sure is far greater than the power that I have? Because if I do that, who knows where I might end up? It's like giving away that, you know, you're no longer the master of your own destiny, okay? And I believe that this, this spiritual message here is that God would love us to, sh to show him, to demonstrate to him that we believe in him and we are willing to walk out of the shallows and into his care and into his protection, and into his total will for our life. To walk out into that. And, and it looks like for most people, no, no how, why would I do that? It looks like I'm going into an environment that's a vast and a great unknown. Why would I do that? And I think over these last few months, reflecting on things, I, I asked myself, how many of us believers 
in inverted commas, still wrestle hugely with doubts. And I know doubt isn't that, it's normal to doubt. We do have doubts. But doubts are being planted much more frequently now by the world we live in. The people we hear, the screens we engage in every day are planting seeds of doubt in our life. There's an onslaught on our lives. And where we'd say, I believe, is the reality maybe more like, I really want to believe? And I think we need to understand that. There's, there may be people who would say, I believe, but maybe deep down, if we were all honest with ourselves, we are saying, but I really want to believe. I really want to believe. And there's a, there's a scripture in Mark chapter 9, in verse 23. And this is, this is, um, this is the story when Jesus casts out the, the, the tormenting spirit out of this lad. And it says there in, in Mark 9, 23, if you can echo Jesus, if you can echo Jesus, all things are possible to him who believes. Amen? Immediately the boy's father cried out, I do believe, but help my unbelief. I do believe, but help my unbelief. Help me in these areas where I'm struggling to totally let go and walk out deeper into the things of you. Amen? Do we say, Lord, I have faith, but I don't quite have that much faith. I have faith, but I don't quite have enough. And we know that there's different levels of faith. For all of our Bible school students here, we know that there's, but we all get given a mustard seed of faith. And I always am amazed, you know, even, even the, right, there's your ration. Even that can move a mountain. So if you can go from your, your ration piece of faith, which is this, as, as, a seed of a, as a mustard seed, and you develop that faith, then mountains become small things. Oceans become small things, you know? And my short message this morning is to say this. Are we prepared to be honest with ourselves and to say, where am I? Christianity has been being redefined in, in this age that we live in. People are redefining what it means to be a Christian. So I've heard. I think there's only one definition of what a Christian is. But there, people are, re, people are re-evaluating Christianity, re-evaluating everything that's going on in the world in, in, in light of their own outlook and being influenced by whatever's coming in at the same time. And so, to ask ourselves, how deeply committed are we really to living in his ways? Because that's the thing that's going to take us through these troubled times, is staying in God's ways. Amen? And have we been resisting the call of the Holy Spirit to go deeper? Perhaps afraid of what might be required of us. So what do I have to give up to go deeper? Well, God actually does tell us. I'm just going to come to that right now. You know, there's a promise that he makes to us that there's nothing in this life that if it's given up will not be recompensed, not only in this life, but in the life to come. Go to Mark chapter 10, verse 26. 
And this is in the NLT. This is just after Jesus spoke to the rich young man. And it says the disciples were astounded. Then the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. This was after Jesus' conversation with the rich young man. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But not with God, because everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up, good old Peter. We've given up everything. We've given up everything to follow you. He said, yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children, sometimes some of us want to give up our children. <laughs> no, we're not going to do it. Really, we're not going to do it. Or our mother-in-laws. <laughs> Sorry, forgive. I love my mother-in-law. She's an awesome cook. And a great lady. And so he says, yes, Jesus, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house, brother, sisters, mother, father, children, or property, property note, for my sake and for the good news, will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses. Brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property. All right, so... I just said about mother-in-laws, I'm going to get 100 in, in return. <laughs> but then it says there, along with something else, along with persecution, along with persecution, and in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. That is, that is, that is amazing. That is really, that's, that's the hope of glory for us. That's us, to go to be, to be in eternity with Jesus. See all our loved ones there that have gone before us. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then, and those who seem least important now will be greatest then. So, you know, there are maybe not many people that would voluntarily give up these things. If you were forced to, you might. You know, if it, they were wrestled off you. But how many people would voluntarily make these sacrifices, give these things up? And I, I'm, I'm going to be very... Uh, I believe it's the right thing to do this morning. I'm going to be very open with you today and say that four months of lockdown has really brutally exposed to me some shallow areas in my own life. And I feel ashamed to say that, and I'm ashamed that it's true, but I thank God that he's taken my shame so I can deal with these things now. I have to get over that self-condemnation and understand that Jesus has taken all my shame. Amen. And that this has just been a time that the Holy Spirit has used to begin to deal with me. And it's going on. It's an ongoing process. If the Holy Spirit's not doing something ongoing in your life, you really need to stop and ask why. You know, none of us here are exempt from the painful ways that God tests our lives and searches our hearts, especially during difficult times like this. But he does it because he wants us to know that the deeper we're prepared to go and the deeper we're rooted in his ways and the more secure we become in him, the more we will be able to endure these times that we live in 
and to be able to accomplish the mission that he's given to this church, to every one of you in this place today, and to live out these troubled times in victory. You know? Amen? I was in the hospital for both of my wings getting born. So I was in the labor ward. And one thing I do remember about the labor ward, there were lots of painful noises. There were lots of sounds that were like, oh my. (laughs) (laughs) The birthing process of anything in life is painful but the results are beautiful. So sometimes, you know, this is a season where, it's a season, it's been a season for me where there's been that giving birth to something new. Amen? But there's something beautiful. So go on my last scripture to John chapter 6. Go to John chapter 6. Verse 22 to 29. And it says there, on the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Here's all the people looking for Jesus, okay? Why are they looking for Jesus? And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and you were filled. You're filled up. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which, endure, which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that, me, that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. Amen? The people were looking for Jesus. I think they wanted more food. The product of the miracle was more important to them than the miracle worker. So here they are, they're looking for, for, for what Jesus has to offer. And I believe that that's a very shallow way to live your life. When we're looking for the product of God's kingdoms, which are life, peace, contentment, um, security, uh, knowing that you're loved, all of those things. But really, there's more to it than that. There's a lot more to it than that. And I really feel God calling us as a church to go, even as individuals, deeper to walk out of the shallows and to go and to let yourself get into that vastness of what he has for you. Jesus is calling. He's saying, let, what is, when Jesus says, 
We're going to the other side. He says, let us go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. He says, come, let's go to the other side. And that word, when Jesus says, come, let us go, that's the same kind of word that he said to Peter when Peter was in the boat. And Peter got out the boat and walked on water. It's the same word that he says to you and I today, come, let us go, that were, that were the words that were used to form the, the, this creation. Amen? Those same words, Jesus is the word. Amen? So these are the same words being offered to you and I today. Come deeper. Come deeper. Come let us go to the, to the other side. And so when we take a hold of these words and we, and we believe, what is, what, going back to John, what is, what is the work of the Lord? Well, here's your work. Just believe. Because we think it's all the other stuff we do, but here is the real work. Believe Strengthen your belief. Know that whatever it is you ask of God, he is willing and able to provide it if that's his will. Amen? That's it. To push out from the shallows and go into the deep. Because if we don't relinquish or give up the shallows, we will not get to the other side. Amen? I don't know if anyone knows that Ezekiel 47 where the, where the prophecy where he's led ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and the water's flowing out from the temple and it's flowing down towards the Dead Sea and eventually the guy gets to a place and he says, Ezekiel says, I'm now at a place where if I don't swim, I'm not getting across. And that is a place that we, I believe we, we should want to go there. We should want to go there. Amen? Because there's streams of living water coming out of this place. They all come from, 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 from Jesus. They're coming out of this place, amen? So, troubling times still lie ahead, but God says that in the day of your trouble, call to me and I will answer you. Shallowness in our lives will always try and have dominion. We'll always try and have dominion. We'll always want to have contact with something that feels like we've got control, Yeah? I'd rather let go and give God the control. Amen. For Christians in these troubled times, and even for, for those that don't know the Lord, there's simply no other way but to persistently call on God. Keep on praying, because it's that persistent call that breaks through every stronghold of the devil, because nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.